0: Welcome back to the Agency Profit Podcast, everyone. I'm so excited you're here to meet my good friend Kyle Racky. He is the CEO and founder of Proposify. Are you the COO now? I can't remember which one you are. Well, no, CEO still. They haven't uh, changed my title yet. <laughs> so, welcome, Kyle. Thank you for being on the show, man. Really appreciate you being here. Happy to be here, Marcel. So for those of you that do not know Kyle, Kyle runs an awesome company called Proposify. We're both here on the East Coast actually. He's in Halifax. I'm in Moncton. If you're in the states and you've never heard of these places, look it up on Google Maps. It's slightly alarming how far east we are. Um, and so Kyle runs-
1: think <laughs> when, when I mean you say you're like an hour flight to Boston, they're like, "Oh, I thought you were up in uh, you know
0: the, the North Pole. <laughs> yeah, Right. They think we're up like north of Alaska or something. Yeah. Uh, so you run uh, one of the companies that is kind of, you know, you're, you're one of the bigger success stories in the Atlantic region with Proposify. You've done amazing things in under five years growing it. I mean, you guys now have over what, 6,000 uh, agencies, sales teams, companies using Proposify to send better proposals. Um, and before all of that, you ran an agency. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, back back in the dark days. So um, could you speak a little bit to, you know, how you got into that industry to begin with? Because I I think that's where you spent the bulk of your career before transitioning to SaaS.
1: Yeah, so I'm a designer by trade. That was what I went to uh, college to study. And when I graduated at about, I think I was still 19 years old when I graduated from college, Uh, I basically got a job at a, at an agency that that was doing a lot of advertising and that kind of thing. And so I worked at that and a couple other places over a period of a few years. Um, during that time, I kind of self-taught, you know, web design and, and development coding and that kind of stuff. So I kind of, as the web was emerging back in the early and mid two thousands, that was, um, you know, kind of how I leveled myself up in terms of, uh, learning more about that side of things. And it was actually, um, you know, part of when I was at an agency, they were getting me to work on a lot of proposals as a, as a junior designer, I had to lay out a lot of their proposals. So, um, that was where I think I first experienced the pain of writing proposals and that's where I had started kind of brainstorming a solution for it back before there was really anything, at least in the, in the small business market. Hmm. But, um, eventually I was 24 years old and I had been moonlighting and, and taking on a lot of client projects and in, in after hours. And I, cause I'd seen a lot of my colleagues start to leave the agencies and go freelance. And that was when I decided, you know, I was going to transition and become a freelancer. So that was kind of my first step into entrepreneurship was being a freelance web design developer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then over about a year I invited uh, my, friend Kevin, who was doing business development at uh, the agency that I was at previously. He and I had been doing a little bit of work together on the side. And I said to him one day, why don't, why don't you join me and we'll start an agency. And we ended up calling it Headspace, which I know a lot of people know now is the meditation app. There wasn't that back then. <laughs> um, so it's a pretty cool name. <laughs> so anyway, we worked on um, Headspace for about five years and ran that as an agency before transitioning to Proposify.
0: Awesome. So you spent five years. Um, how, how big did the agency end up uh, at its peak? Uh, it was never that big. I think we had 12 people at our peak. That's, that's still you know, pretty sizable um, for that period of time, like for, for that short of an amount of time that you were running it. Um, so obviously a lot of learning happened in those five years, but what was the moment when you made the decision that you wanted to transition from running an agency into launching a product?
1: Yeah, you know, I don't know if there was ever an a- actual point in time where we decided it. it was sort of a gradual transition. But we were really bad at running agencies, so <laughs> it was an easy choice to say, like, you know, Kevin. Kevin had a long past and experience in in building businesses, but he had never run a service business before. As we all know, they're quite a different beast than like a product business. Yeah. So we really struggled with you know how to price our services, how to keep projects on time, how to bill and and get paid on our projects in a time, timely manner. So we were dealing with a lot of the typical kind of cash flow issues that a lot of agency owners face. Um, we didn't have a parakeet back then to help us out. Um, so, you know, it was sort of during that time where I, my heart really was in software and user experience and SaaS. I didn't actually really enjoy running a service business. Um, so Kevin and I were totally aligned as far as like, we, we would love to have a product and have subscription, uh, based billing. The question was, what is the product and, and, you know, what pain should we solve? So we actually went through quite a few iterations of different products. We had tried to build kind of like a Wix or Squarespace, but a shitty version of it before Mm -hmm. it existed. Um, uh, we had built like an extranet. We had built a social media tool. We had built all these different products and they were all kind of half-assed and, Half baked, and none of them really ever found an audience. But uh, at some point, I think in 2011, 2012, we had—I um, still had the old designs for Proposify, what we later called Proposify. And then I was like, "Why well, don't we try this old proposal software idea?" And so we started kind of building an MVP and testing it with the market. And sure enough, that's uh, the market was very clear that that was the pain that they wanted to have solved.
0: So, as you were building all these products, were these like side projects that you would do while you were still running the agency? Yeah, I would primarily because
1: I was a designer and a UX designer. I would I would be the one that kind of worked on the designs and the wireframing and the layout. Um, We would usually have somebody internal build it and work on it, which proved to be a mistake because a lot of times, you know, when you're when you're running a service business, the client comes first. And so you might have a developer work on it a few hours a week, but as soon as something more important happens, like a, a project in a deadline, you're going to pull them off of that. And then a the whole week goes by and now they come back to it and they kind of forgot what they were working on. So you never get anything out the door that way. It really wasn't until we were able to hire like an in-house developer to work solely exclusively on the product that we we're able to get something out. And there were other things that we did like a certain projects. I think we had outsourced to different people, um, we either did like an exchange of services where we would design their app and they would code our app and you know, that kind of stuff helped us get like a prototype together, but it would, it's never like a long-term sustainable thing.
0: Mm. Yeah. Well that, that kind of answers the next question that I had, which was what kind of challenges did you have with trying to build a product inside the agency? Cause I know our experience with Parakeeto, it's been certainly similar. I mean, even yeah. Even though Jared, you know, runs an extremely well-run agency and they're very organized, uh, it's still a challenge when you know a client has a priority and they've got to get pulled off to to work on that instead. So certainly, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of agency owners that if they're trying to do this or they're curious about it, that's going to be a concern for them.
1: You need you need that that developer that first developer that is working on your product. They need to live and breathe it every single day. Like when they come in in the morning they're working on that problem and that's what they do like Mm -hmm. you have to have them so focused and never like keep the account managers away from them because if you let the account managers have access oh well maybe maybe we can get jonathan to also finish up this little project that's overdue and needs to be done nope nope he's not touching it
0: (laughs) yeah i'm sure that's uh look again from experience too like that that was the case for us and it certainly can be a challenge especially when you're trying to plan releases or set expectations and your velocity is so inconsistent because yeah, things are, you know, you get a lot of hours one week, you get no hours the next. It can certainly can be frustrating. So what was one of your biggest um, challenges when it came to actually trying to transition into the product full-time? So obviously you had to come up with a way to get full-time development resources on it um, and then eventually move your whole focus. Um, so h- how did that happen?
1: Yeah, it was a very slow, long, gradual, painful process. I think that we had the same delusion that most agency owners have, which is, oh, I'm going to build this thing on the side and then I'm going to put it out there and I'm going to get customers and revenue and eventually the revenue is just going to surpass the agency's revenue and then I'm just going to gracefully exit and now we don't do any more services, we're just a SaaS company. That's kind of like the 37 Signals Basecamp approach, at least what they say that they did, which seemed to work out for them in the early to mid two thousands. Um, I think for, um, for us and we're, I'm not going to say that we're close to as smart as Basecamp, So we weren't able to, uh, do it quite that gracefully hmm. for us. It was much more, um, we, you know, we had a product, so we had Jonathan who, who's now the C- CTO of Proposify he was working exclusively on the product, and I was doing all the customer development, all the customer support, all the design work, so it was kind of me and him just working on that. Kevin, my business partner, was trying to keep money in the door and and basically keep the agency running. I was also working on agency stuff too um, and it wasn't sustainable because our our agency was not well run it wasn't profitable. we were um you know always struggling to, to pay our payroll and keep people fed and all that kind of stuff. Um, and at the same time, the pr- product was, you know, we had an MVP to market, but obviously it was not a good product by any means at the time. So we were sort of stuck in this limbo where we're like, we didn't have really any customers on the product, but our, but we needed, if we wanted it to be successful, eventually we obviously needed to keep focused on it and keep imp- making improvements to the product But at the same time, we couldn't take our eye off the agency because it was how we paid our rent and fed our families. So, eventually, Kevin and I just figured we need to get out of the agency business. We need to get rid of this business. The best approach, other than just filing bankruptcy and laying everybody off, is we need to find a buyer. So. That's when we started a, a what became a ten month process of getting the agency sold. And for those not who who are listening to this, I used air quotes because um, <laughs> we you know we ended we did end up selling the company in twenty fourteen. We didn't make any money off of it. We basically had them take over, you know, take over the payroll, take over the inv- inv- invoices and expenses, and um,
0: we just got to kind of double down and focus on Proposify. <clears throat> So, uh, certainly I can, again, resonate with the position that you found yourselves in in those days. I mean, I think paraquito is still an early product as well. And that's our focus is listening to people and making it better. Um, but I can imagine that trying to run an agency, especially one that's not already profitable would have ended up being like really tough. And I think, that's an important takeaway for, cause I know there's a ton of agency owners that um, they have dreams of getting into product and like you, they'd like to see more recurring revenue coming into their agency and maybe not even to get rid of the agency, but to have that be a part of it. I think it's important to realize how much time and effort and focus it takes to get a SaaS product to a point where it's sticky enough um, to actually retain users and have revenue earning potential. And if the business is not extremely well run, as a prerequisite, it can, you know, put people in this position that you found yourself in where you're kind of riding two sinking ships in a way. Do you want some free resources to help you measure and improve your profitability? If you do, then I want to tell you about our agency profitability toolkit, which you can grab absolutely free in the show notes or by heading to paraquitocom forward slash toolkit. It's packed with training videos, cheat sheets, templates, and all kinds of other great resources to help you start measuring and improving the essential metrics that are going to drive better profitability in your business. And it's helped thousands of other agencies around the world do the same. So I want to encourage you to go and grab a copy of that. And if you'd rather get in the fast lane and just have our team of experts guide you through the process of measuring and improving your profitability, then I want to encourage you to apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. And with that, I want to thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the episode and I'll let you get back to it. The business is not extremely well run as a prerequisite. It can, you know, put people in this position that you found yourself in where you're kind of riding two sinking ships in a way. Yeah. Well, I
1: think that agencies have both an advantage and a disadvantage when it comes to building a SaaS product. Um, The advantage is they already know, assuming they're a web development shop or a software shop, they know how to, how to build product because they already do it for their clients. Mm. That in itself is a massive advantage that a startup founder who, you know, like you often find in the startup community, there's people who are, Industry experts, like let's say I always use the example of a lawyer who wants to build an app for lawyers. Hmm. They maybe know how to, they know their target market really well and maybe they understand the product intimately, but unless they find a technical co founder, which is not easy to find, then they don't really know how to build product. And so agency owners have that under the belt. They also usually know marketing, they know sales, they know how to run a business, hire employees. Like those are, that's a huge advantage that I think often gets overlooked when agency owners want to build a product. But the disadvantage is also the fact that it's hard to raise money when you run an agency because there's a huge stigma, stigmatism, stigma, I don't know, whatever the word yeah. is against agency owners, VCs won't give them any money. Cause they're like, I know I'm going to give you a million bucks and you're just going to give up on the product as soon as it doesn't show any signs of traction. And you're just going to go back to what makes you money. Like they want to invest in people that are all in, and let's face it, if you're an agency owner, you're just not all in, right?
0: Yeah, that's an interesting point. Um, although what's, what's funny about that, though, is um, there are a lot of SaaS companies that end up selling services in the early days to supplement their revenue. I know that's something that we started doing as well. So yeah. and, and VCs love that because they're showing like they're showing grit and they're showing a way to validate the, the, so I think sometimes it could just be about how you position that, but
1: it's changing for sure. I think, yeah. I think when we were doing it, it was really, at least in our local market, where we were trying to raise money. Um, there was a huge, uh, almost prejudice against agency owners. Hmm. They were really looked down upon as like, Oh, you run an agency. Um, it's def- I think that attitude is changing
0: though. Cause they're starting
1: to see that a lot of those agency owners tend to actually make really good SaaS founders.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, 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 would assume so. Cause to me, like running a service business, it's one of the most challenging business models to scale. It's, mm. it's easy to start, you know, just because of the economics of it, but it's so hard to scale and you've got to be a really good operator to make that work. So.
1: Well, and, yeah. and as a, as an, to play off something you just said, which is that you guys are starting to um, do services for your clients. Um, it's a kind of a weird kind of full circle thing that's happening with us too, because as we move more in uh, upmarket and try to serve mid market companies, what we're finding is that they often need a lot of help with consulting, training, um, building proposal templates in our software. And so we're now actually working on getting a professional services arm of the business in place to basically handle that demand. And so it's kind of like a weird thing where I exited an agency and didn't want to do service work and now have a SaaS company that's growing but now I want to get back into services. It's kind of weird, but it actually makes sense strategically.
0: That's really cool. So I know in the early days when you started um, Proposify, a lot of your early customers were agencies. Um, so you spent you know the first couple of years really heavily marketing to and selling to agencies. So what was that like going from being an agency that was getting sold products all the time to now being on the flip side of that equation? And what did you learn about how agencies make buying decisions and, and stuff like that. Well, I
1: I'm really glad that when we started for the first few years, we really doubled down and focused on agency owners um, because it was a market. We intimately understood the pain around it. And we also knew how to speak very specifically to their pain hmm. because as I mentioned, we're moving up market, So increasingly less and less of our target audience is actually agency owners. Once you start getting into, uh, companies where there's maybe a hundred plus employees and they have a sales team. It's usually not the founder who's the one actually researching software. It's usually more of a sales director or a manager or an operations person, that kind of thing. Hmm. So our, our market's changing and they have a very, even though they're, the product is the same, they have a very different pain point than what agency owners have. And so in the early days we were able to speak very, I think, um, uh, intimately and also it was very obvious that we deeply understood the pain because we had felt it ourselves. So when we talked about how painful it is to write proposals, you know, you're um, taking time off of billable client projects and putting them on, you know, kind of really a lot of proposals you write are just a gamble. You don't know if you're going to win them or lose them. Like we really spoke a lot to that pain. And so I think because of that, we were able to get pretty quickly a big audience of uh, agency owners that Resonated with our marketing, with our blog, and our product.
0: That's awesome. So, obviously, um, you also created a ton of content um, throughout this mm-hmm. time. Like, I, I think, like today, if I go on your blog, a lot of the recent posts are more geared towards sales teams. But the archives, man, are just loaded with gold for agencies. You guys had a great podcast for a long time, which you've now um, transitioned to LTV, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those of you that are listening, if you haven't checked out Proposify's content, definitely make sure you go check it out um, because there's lots of great stuff in there. So a
1: note on that is that if you went to our blog today, it would be pretty unrecognizable from the blog in the early days, even though it's the same URL. Um, As you dig further and further into the archives of the blog, you'll find a lot more content like this. That's all around running an agency and staying profitable and keeping client, you know, keeping projects on budget and all that kind of stuff. Um, and you'll see the transition because now all of the blog articles are how to run a sales team, uh, you know how to improve your sales velocity and you know pipeline, like all these terms that are very sales vp director level um it's a it's a completely different blog. so it's you know the older content will be super relevant for this audience.
0: Awesome. so you heard it here, guys, make sure you go and check that stuff out. Um, now, since we're on the topic of proposals and agencies, you've spent the last five years basically living in proposal land, learning everything you can about how to write great proposals and helping thousands of companies write better proposals. So what are you know, your top few tips for agencies on how they can close more deals if they're submitting proposals for their clients? I think the best way to articulate
1: this is to talk about a sales experience that I had about two or three days ago. Um, because I was in the market to buy a certain type of software that helped me with my, um, subscription billing. And so I had a good call with a sales rep. I presented some, you know, well, maybe this isn't a good fit for us. And he overcame those objections. Um, he actually got me excited about it. The price was right. I was kind of like, you know, I'm ready to buy Let's do this. And the next thing that he said was, um, okay, so from here on out or like from this point forward, I'm going to go talk to my operations person or my finance person. And she's going to get together a document and send it through DocuSign for you to look at and sign off. And I was like, all right, cool. That's a little weird, but sure. And then the whole week went by, didn't hear anything. Weekend went by nothing. Monday afternoon, I got a DocuSign from Candice. Oh, I've just made her name up. I didn't recognize her name in my inbox. I knew it was them though. Cause I was like, did they forget about me? And then the next day the sales guy who I talked to emailed me and said, Hey, uh, Candace sent you through that sign. Have you looked at it? And I did, I clicked on it and it was looked like a contract. It was 15 pages of small print with a bunch of little initial here, initial here. And I didn't sign it. Cause I didn't have time to read it all. And I, um, I didn't, I would rather somebody kind of walk me through what the agreement is. And so I actually emailed his VP of sales. I I looked them up on LinkedIn and I (laughs) emailed the VP of sales because I was like, I'm selling them our product. I said, this is the experience I had. Let me tell you, if it was my sales team, as soon as I got off the call or they got off the call with that hot lead, I'd have an agreement in their hands and it would be beautiful. It would be visual. It would be clear about what I'm buying and I'd be able to sign off right away. And I would get a personal email and maybe even have the sales rep walk me through that that's what our, that's what our software does. And he's, and so he was like, that's amazing. Thanks for taking the time to tell me that I know our process sucks. I know I've been thinking about how to make that better. Um, and then when can we call, you know, then he booked a call. So we're going to go through that. So that in a nutshell is really what I've learned about, um, the proposal process is not really rocket science. Really the, the proposal is there to seal the deal. It's like, you should already have the lead bought and ready to buy before they ever get a proposal and what it, too many agency owners do is they send a proposal too early. So the lead isn't fully qualified. They, the, the budget is a shock to them. They didn't know it was going to be that much. Um, there's a bunch, you know, there's so many mistakes that a lot of agency owners that we made back in the day when we were an agency and really all it just comes down to is fully qualify the lead, make sure that their um, the budget authority, like all that stuff is completely figured out before they get a proposal. And then literally walk them through the proposal on the phone or in person, if you can, um, so that they can get it sealed right there. It's, it's, it's really kind of simple, we don't, I don't have any like crazy rocket science behind proposals other than make it easy to close. Right.
0: I I mean, that's, it's a, that's a great uh, set of tips because I think, yeah, you're right. People get um, caught up in the details but holistically, it's just really about having a a great process and making sure that there's trust there and that it's clear and the proposal shouldn't feel like a chore. Right. And I think that's what that first proposal that you got felt like, felt like work. Yeah.
1: Yeah. and, And what I'm finding people are doing with our software is they're like embedding video in it, which you can't do with a PDF or you can't do with DocuSign, you know, they would, I would rather, if I were, if I'm a lead looking at somebody's proposal, I'd rather click that video button if they can't, walk me through it over the phone. I'd rather have their CEO, whoever I was talking to, you know, have their face appear just like this and say like, Hey John, you know, we had a great chat last uh, two days ago. We went through, we scoped out your proposal. Here's all the things that it includes. This is the budget, you know, talk through it. That's such a, such a better way to sell than to, to just make them read a contract that they don't understand.
0: Definitely. That sounds like an amazing experience. Um, And I'm sure there's lots of people listening that are like, I gotta check that out. Um so for those that are listening that want to learn more about you, Proposify, that wanna check out your product, uh, where should they go? Yeah, so they
1: can check out the product at proposify.com. Um and you know, sign up for a free trial if it seems like something that would help you out. Um and that's it. And uh and I have a a book coming out later. Yeah,
0: so Uh, talk about the book.
1: Yeah, so uh I've been wanting to write one for a really long time and started about a year ago, kind of the planning uh, behind it. And now we're basically ready to launch in January. It's called free trials and tribulations. Um, Subtitle is how to build a business while getting punched in the mouth. And basically it's a kind of a book about um, my journey and my history building Proposify, running an agency, and then also having a lot of personal challenges on the side like um, you know, having my father die, having uh, basically realizing I was raised in a cult and had to leave, um, getting shunned by my family and the whole bunch of personal chaos that happened in my life while I was trying to do this. So that's, it's a fun read.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, I've known you for a long time. And I I know that, uh, you know, I've seen you kind of go through this process of writing the book. So I can't wait to read it. Um, I'll certainly be among the first people to get a copy. uh, I'm sure. So uh, those of you that are listening, make sure you check that out. Where can they, uh, sign up to be updated when you publish the book? Yeah. If you go to my personal, um,
1: website, it's just kyle Um, there's a link for the book so you can just put in your email and you'll get notified when it launches and then it'll be available on Amazon for print and
0: ebook and all that stuff. Excellent. And so before we wrap up, uh, guys, make sure that you check out KyleRacki.com and get notified for the book. And of course, check out Proposify. If you send proposals in your agency, um, this software is super impressive. Um, I know there's a lot of people that I've spoken to uh, through Parakeeto that are using it and that are doing great things with it, closing a lot more deals. So make sure you check that out. So before we wrap up, Kyle, because we did we're under time. Are there some final tips that you have for those agency owners out there that are product curious and are thinking about moving in that direction?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot, right. It's, um, I would say what a lot of agency owners probably should do more that they, uh, often don't is taking the time to verify that there's a pain they're solving. I think they could be, I certainly was way too quick to, uh, just say, Oh, this is a problem for me. So I'm going to build it. And of, of course, if I have the problem, everybody will, um, you would learn a lot through doing customer development and customer research. And, and that tends to be, you know, be done a lot less. I find for some reason with the agency owners, maybe it's because they have the ability to build it, um, that they don't take a lot of time to like really deeply understand the market. So I would say, do that, you know, put out that landing page, drive some traffic to it. You know how to do that. You're an agency owner. And then see how many people sign up for that. And then just figure out, you know, start building that list before you go and start hiring your developer and spending a lot of money internally to build it.
0: Yeah, that's a really great uh, tip. I know that's something that we had to kind of pump the brakes on ourselves and and do as well was make sure we went out and did customer development. And uh, I think they call that the creator's dilemma, right? Where you have the curse of being able to do it. So you try to do it too fast. Yeah,
1: Definitely. well, my, I'll use this example too is, You know, I, we understood the pain of proposals and how, and you know, everything associated with it, but there's a lot of major features in our product that I never envisioned for a second until we actually put an MVP out there and started getting feedback. It sounds actually silly in hindsight. And it's kind of funny how software and technology works because, you know, the, the market changes so much that, you know, you look back five years, 10 years ago and you go, wow, people actually thought that was revolutionary and now it's obvious, right? Just to use the example of um, Netflix, right? When Netflix, I read an article recently about Netflix. I'm not sure where I read it, but it was basically showing that when they decided they wanted to get into online streaming video and get in kind of transition away from DVD delivery, there was a lot of people that thought they were insane and that the market didn't want it, the market wasn't ready for it, the technology wasn't there, these guys are nuts. And now when you look back in hindsight, you go, of course, everybody's going to want (laughs) it. Right. So we had like on a micro level, we had those moments like our product offers online signatures and the ability to view metrics for when people read your proposal and where they looked. And those are two features I didn't think anybody would ever want. Right. Like I never thought of them. Somebody mentioned it. I was like, yeah, signatures. Oh, we know, we never get things like, we deal with government RFPs. They don't, they're not going to sign anything online. And so we kind of poo pooed it until the feedback was definite deafening, you know? And then now we look back and it's like stupid Google software wouldn't have signatures.
0: (laughs) Uh, that's That's a great point. And I think, um, what agency owners often also have the advantage of is, um, Like I know one of the challenges for us was we didn't have an audience to learn from when we started Parakito. So we had to do a lot of work to get those first, you know, 50, 60 phone calls to learn from our target customers. I think a lot of agencies have access to their target customer, depending on what they're building. And it's easy for them to pick up the phone and have 10 conversations and start learning very quickly. And so... um, yeah, if you're in that position, don't, don't take that opportunity for granted. Cause it's really cool to have a chance or an audience, even if it's on your blog or in your past clients to be able to learn off the hop and get started quickly.
1: Oh, absolutely. And and don't be too disheartened. If not, everybody says this is an amazing idea because most people you talk to, even if the idea is good, like I use the, the Netflix example, a lot of people are and be like, ah, oh, I would never use that. That's stupid. People said that about us, you know, in the early days. Hey, we want to make proposal software. Well, why would, why, why would I use that? I mean, PowerPoint, right? Like InDesign, it all works. So the fact that if you can find some people who are like, holy shit, that I need that. I, this is a huge pain. If you can find those people and, and find more and more of them, then you can kind of block out the people that aren't early adopters or aren't a good fit that are telling you that's a stupid idea. Don't do that.
0: Yeah, that's uh, certainly, there's going to be a lot of people that don't think what you're doing is cool. You're absolutely right about that. Uh, But obviously you guys were able to find some folks and, you know, we were too. And hopefully those of you that are listening that are thinking about building a product, you'll be able to find those early evangelists as well. Totally. Well, Kyle, I, I think this has been a tremendous interview and I hope that everybody at home learned something. If you did leave us a comment, send me a message reach out to us and let us know what you got out of this interview. And make sure, again, you go and check out Kyle's website, kylracky.com and Proposify. I'll leave those down in the show notes. And until next time, go and run a more profitable agency and make sure you have fun doing it. Thanks, Kyle, so much for being on the show. We'll talk to you soon. My
1: pleasure, Marcel.
0: All right. Cheers, everyone. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you've ever found yourself thinking, man, I get so much value from this podcast, I wish there was something I could do to return the favor. Well, today's your lucky day because you can leave us a review wherever you're listening to this and it is incredibly helpful. Of course, if you haven't grabbed a free copy of the Agency Profit Toolkit, go and get that. It's got tons of free resources to help you improve your profitability. If you're looking to get in the fast lane and get help from experts to improve your profitability and measure your most important metrics, then apply for a consultation at Paracuta.com. We'd love to chat with you and figure out how we can help. With all of that, thank you so much for being a listener and we will see you on the next episode.